Good morning. I'm Kurt Carlson, and I, I am a paid religious professional. <laughs> My thanks to Kent uh, for stepping in for the last two weeks, and uh, I was telling um, the man that I was traveling with that it, it, it really is a, um, a wonderful thing to be able to go away and know that uh, you have somebody who's not going to preach heresy, at least a little bit, maybe, but... But anyway, I truly appreciate you, Kent, and uh, thanks for preaching. It's a gift, and uh, you're a wonderful teacher, so thank you. Yeah. Um, I've done something that I have never done before. I traveled um, from Moscow, Russia yesterday, and normally I take four or five days to recover. And, uh, and honestly, somebody said, well, why did you come this morning? I mean, are you going to be able to stay awake? Are you uh, alive? And I, I just wanted to be here because I missed you guys. Uh, yeah, it's true. And... Um, I was very glad, uh, maybe more than ever, to uh, come home this time. And it wasn't because uh, the trip was more difficult. It was a wonderful trip, and you'll be hearing about it in the next few weeks. But um, I just came to appreciate this church in, a, in an entirely new way when I was gone these past few weeks. And um, so thank you. And uh, it, it is an incredible thing to be part of a healthy um, community of faith. And uh, it, it means a lot. And so anyway, enough of that. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, strange things happen on airplanes. I don't know, but um, you're crammed in in these awful things for hours at a time. They serve you this miserable food, and you always have conversations with people. And so I was working on my sermon on the way from Paris to Cincinnati, and uh, this guy kept kind of glancing, and I, I was you know, trying to write, and of course I couldn't see, and the seat in front of me was back like this, and I was trying to you know, write underneath it. And um, so finally... At uh, one point, he kind of noticed that uh, he saw the word judgment. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a sermon that I'm going to preach uh, tomorrow. And, uh, but I, I thought about it for two weeks. And, uh, and he said, well, I, I see the word judgment. He says, uh, are you a judgmental Christian? I said, well, of course we all are. Uh, no. Uh, and here's the thing, right? I mean, that was not an unusual question because I think the perception is that if you are a follower of Christ, that you are a judgmental person. Um, not only do you have no sort of intellectual integrity, but uh, you're narrow-minded and you're judgmental. And we had a great conversation. Um, and it was really interesting is that on the aisle over, there was this guy um, sort of uh, had this other man pinned up against the wall and was preaching at him. And for the entire trip. And so there was this, this strange thing going on on the, air, on the airplane. And uh, we had a good conversation. And um, it helped to, the time to pass somewhat, too. Um, but I'm just wondering this morning, as we talk about this whole issue of, of uh, being judgmental or um, passing judgment on other people, if you've ever been in the presence of somebody who truly is gracious and non-judgmental, um, do you know people like that? I was thinking about that in my own life. You know, how many people do I know that are, that are genuinely gracious people, that, um, that are, that are non-judgmental, people that are safe? Maybe that's another way to get at it. People that you can go to and you can bear your soul to these people because you know that they're not going to point the finger or shake their head or wonder whether or not you're truly a believer because you struggle with certain things. And I honestly, I don't know a lot of people like that. In my life, I haven't known a lot of people like that. 
Um, but these are the kind of people that, that are sought out by other people. People feel secure in their presence. Uh, the one person that I know of that has been like that in my life is a person that, uh, that I look to for advice and counsel, um, a person that I can ask questions to that, that uh, I know I'm not going to be judged by the question I ask. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, suspect because of the, the intention behind the question, but just uh, what it is is what it is, and you're able to ask the question and feel um, embraced and welcomed by people like that. That is uh, the type of person that I want to be. And I believe it's the type of person that Jesus Christ calls all of us to become. And uh, we say this a lot in this church, and I say it over and over as I preach, but we are all in this process of becoming more like Christ. You may be here this morning and not have any kind of relationship or understanding of who Jesus Christ is. But what I've come to realize is that God is at work in your life as well as it is in work in the life of people who um, have known him for a long time. One of the greatest compliments that was ever paid to me was by a person who had gone through some, through some really difficult times in his life. And uh, I met with him one morning, and he sort of began to lay out all of the, the struggles that he'd had and uh, some of the things that uh, I, I think he expected me to be shocked by. And, uh, and I listened to him. And I've also learned another thing, that sometimes it's really important just to keep your mouth shut and listen to people and not try to provide answers for everything, right? Sometimes we just need to do the presence of God to people. When we were done, I didn't feel like I'd been particularly helpful to him. And I said, well, you know, um, I said, you are a, you're an incredible person. You know, you're gifted, and uh, God loves you, and God doesn't love you any less now than he did uh, a month ago before all this stuff started happening. And he said, you know, you, you're probably one of the, the, the least judgmental people I know. And he said, I really appreciate that. And I'd never, I'd never had someone actually say that to me, um, and it meant a lot to me. Um, because I honestly wasn't judging him. You know, I felt like a fellow uh, struggler along the way with him, and I walked with him and encouraged him. And I think that's the goal, you know, as we become more like Christ, is that we become a presence in people's lives that's secure and non-threatening and uh, somebody that uh, people can talk to about anything. And just when you say you think you've heard it all, there's more. (laughs) So just know that. Well, this morning I want to look at what it means to be a non-judgmental person because here's what I believe. I believe that every one of us has a tendency to be judgmental on some level. All of us, and I'll explain that to you. That doesn't mean that we're someone who fails to voice an opinion, okay? Or speak the truth when the truth is necessary. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person who loves and relates to people, okay? All kinds of people who loves and relates to those people in the same way that Jesus did. That's the goal. And uh, we are all along the road on this one, right? But that's the goal. So how do we become the kind of people that draw others to ourselves and ultimately to Christ because we're gracious and we're kind and uh, we extend mercy? That's, that's the question this morning. Uh, but before we go on, I want to talk about three words, three critical words Uh, that shed light on what Jesus is saying in this passage. And I I want us to read this passage together in a minute. Here's the first word, and this is a common word. It's overused, it's misunderstood, but the word is hypocrisy. It is the word that is always thrown out there when the discussion about religion comes up or about the church. Um, How many times have you heard this? I don't go to church because it's full of... Right. And you know what? It's true. (laughs) It's true. 
Um, on some level, all of us, because we're broken people, are hypocrites. Now, in the context of this passage, Jesus is talking about hypocrisy as looking at the speck in someone else's eye and ignoring the plank in your own eye. Let's turn together to uh, Matthew 7, if you have a Bible. If you don't, share with someone who does, or just listen as I read this for you. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. This may be a familiar verse to some of you. This is what Jesus says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. Hypocrisy. It's not just saying one thing and doing something else, although it includes that. It's pointing out the flaws, the sin in someone else's life while ignoring the same flaws and the same sin in your own life. That's hypocrisy. And we are all hypocrites to one degree or another. It is so much easier, is it not, for us to stand back and to point out all the things we see in other people. It's so much easier to do that than it is to draw near to those people and to walk with them, to encourage them, to extend grace and mercy to those people. Uh, I was talking to the teachers this morning, and one of the assumptions here as we, as we look at this passage is that somehow we engage people in conversation as we talk about removing specks and planks and all that kind of thing. It assumes that we talk to people, right? But I think the reality is in the church that we stand back at a distance and we think things, right? We rarely talk to somebody about the speck in their eye or the sin that we perceive or what we see them doing in their lives. We stand back and we sort of extend judgment um, on those people from a distance. And we rarely get to the point where we ever talk to people. And yet there is an assumption here that we, that we, we actually talk to one another. And, uh, but I don't think that we do. And I've discovered something else here. And see if you agree with this. Without exception, or at least almost without exception, the people who are the most critical, the people who are the most judgmental of others are usually walking around with a huge plank in their eye. Right? So in other words, the more critical I am, the more judgmental I am, the bigger issues I have in my own life, the bigger plank that I carry around. Um, and I'm unwilling or I'm unable to deal with whatever the issues are in my own life. And so I stand back and I render judgment on other people because it's the stuff that I myself struggle with. Jesus warns against hypocrisy, this kind of hypocrisy. And he is particularly critical of hypocrisy like this in the context of religion. Who were the ones that he was most critical of? It was the religious leaders of the time. Because they said one thing, they did something else. They pointed out all the flaws and the sin in everyone else's life and failed to look at their own sin and their own flaws. Then there's integrity. Integrity, that's the second word. Removing the plank from your eye. Interesting definition of integrity, isn't it? Being brutally honest with yourself, about yourself. Knowing who you are. Being able to look in the mirror and honestly evaluate who you are. 
Um, this is a process that we are all in. But it's something we need to strive toward, knowing ourselves. Integrity is recognizing that the wrongs that we see in other people, the sin that we see in other people, is usually an indication of the wrong or the sin that's in our own life. When I get to the point where I recognize the reason that I'm so critical of others is because I see in them what is happening in me, I'm beginning to act and to live with integrity on some level. Have you noticed that the things that really disturb you (laughs) about other people are always the things that you struggle with. Have you noticed that? It's true. For example, I have high expectations. Uh, I have always had high expectations, beginning with expectations for myself. Um, I spent a long time um, feeling like I didn't measure up, right? That I never quite reached that level of uh, ability or competence or character that, that I desperately wanted to have. And so I set very high expectations for myself. And consequently, I set very high expectations for other people. It really bothers me when other people don't expect a lot out of themselves. It really bothers me when people are lazy. It really bothers me when people don't work hard at stuff. And uh, it particularly bothers me, it sends me in orbit, when people question whether or not, you know, I'm doing those things, right? All it takes is for someone to point out to you that you're not doing something that you're already struggling with and it kind of puts you into orbit. We, we struggle with this. And what we do most often is we judge people, right, who are most like us and who struggle with the things that we struggle with. And we're really hard on those people. And so when you begin to understand yourself and know yourself, you recognize that perhaps the reason you're doing that is because you too are struggling with whatever it is that you're so, um, you're so adamantly opposed to in someone else. Um, when you see sin, when you see flaws, when you see shortcomings in other people, ask yourself this question. Is the reason that I'm judging that person because this sin, this flaw, this whatever it might be, is operative in my own life? When you begin to ask that question, instead of just jumping to judgment, you're beginning to live with integrity. Look at yourself first. Remove the plank from your own eye before you try to remove the speck of sawdust from your friend or family member's eye. And then there's the word mercy. Mercy. Helping remove the speck from someone else's eye. Once you've removed the plank from your own eye. Helping remove the speck from someone else's eye only after you've removed the plank from your own eye. This is mercy. We can extend mercy to others because we've confronted and dealt with sin and difficulty in our own life. And we understand what other people are facing when we do that. It seems simple to me, right? We receive mercy. We extend mercy. But the truth is, oftentimes, people who have received grace and mercy, who have been forgiven much by God, are some of the most ungracious, unkind, judgmental people that I've ever met. And I don't understand how that works. Doesn't it make sense that when we received grace and mercy, that we just naturally extend it to other people? And yet the reality is that that doesn't always happen. Um, And I don't understand why. Shouldn't we be able to say to ourselves, first of all, Because God has been so good to me. 
Because God has been so merciful to me, I therefore can extend grace and mercy to other people. But we don't do that. And I have a hunch that it's because we haven't really dealt with some of that stuff in our own lives. We're still troubled by it. And so it's difficult for us to extend mercy and grace. So how these three words relate to the notion of passing judgment on others goes something like this. It's a pattern. Listen to this. The alternative to judgment is mercy. Helping others remove the speck from their eye. But before mercy comes integrity. Dealing with our own plank. And by the way, what is your plank this morning? What are the planks that you're uh, toting around with you this morning as you come? And then failing to do this, failing to deal with our stuff, with our plank, is called hypocrisy. Telling others to do something that you and I are unwilling or are unable to do ourselves. Writer F.B. Meyer once said this, listen to these words. When you see a brother or sister in sin, realize there are at least three things that you don't know. First, you don't know how hard he or she has tried not to sin. So don't judge. Second, you don't know the power of the forces that have assailed him or her. So don't judge. And third, you don't know what you would have done in the same circumstances. So don't judge. The fact is, it's easier to judge than it is to extend mercy and grace to people. It's easier to judge, easier to point the finger and why? Why? It's because we rarely, I think, extend mercy or grace to ourselves. We are usually our harshest critic. And if we can't extend it, if we can't receive it from God, then we can't give it to other people. And further, to extend mercy to others means that we absolutely have to deal with the sin in our own lives. And that's a frightening proposition. We can't give others what we don't possess. That's a fact. If we haven't experienced grace, if we haven't experienced forgiveness, we can't give that to someone else. Well, here are three truths to keep in mind as you work at becoming a merciful and gracious person rather than someone who's judgmental. Uh, these are simple truths, but they are not simplistic. First, remember this. God is the judge. God is the judge. Jesus Christ will judge all people. That's what Scripture teaches. Matthew 16, 27 says this, For I, the Son of Man, will come with my angels in the glory of my Father and judge each person according to his or her deeds. And then Romans 2, 16, Paul speaking here, and he says, The day will surely come when, when at God's command, Jesus Christ will judge the secret lives of everyone. Their inmost thoughts and motives. This is all part of God's great plan, which I, Paul, proclaim to you. God is the judge. If we want to relate to others as Jesus did, we need to make the decision to leave ultimate judgment in God's hands. He's the one who created us. He's the one who knows us. He's the one who loves us best. Therefore, He's only the only one who can rightly judge us and all other people. So leave it up to him. Leave room, as Paul says in Romans 12, for the wrath of God. It's his deal. It's not ours. God is the judge. And here's the second truth. Now, 
is not the time for final judgment. Okay? Today is not the day for final judgment. You've heard people say, well, I'm not judgmental. I'm just a fruit inspector. Right? Um, I struggle with that one. I'm just looking at what the person does. But I'm withholding judgment. Ah! I don't think that's true. We can all be so incredibly judgmental. But now is not the time for that. The game is not over. The votes have not been counted. The final paper has not been graded. This is not the time to render judgment. There's a day coming when each one of us will be judged according to what we've done or according to what we failed to do. And that day has not yet come. So don't judge other people. Extend grace, mercy, be patient with people, leave judgment up to God. Remember the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 13 about the wheat and the weeds, or in some translation, the wheat and the tares? In this parable, a landowner plants a field of wheat, and it says that the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. And then at some point in the parable, one of the servants comes to the landowner and says, Master, um, you know, there's, there's weeds growing up here in the field, and, and shouldn't we go out and begin to pluck the weeds out of the field? Now, common sense would say, you know, oh, you wise servant, of course, go weed the father's field, right? But what the master says is, no, don't, don't begin to pull the weeds out because, and this is interesting, by pulling out the weeds, you know, you'll probably pull up some of the wheat because, implication, you can't tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds. So leave it alone, and I, the master, will separate those two things at harvest time. And I read that over again, and I thought, well, isn't that interesting? You see, because the implication is in this parable that you and I can't separate the wheat from the weeds. We can't separate the sheep from the goats because we don't really know. That that's the master's job to do at harvest time, at the end of time. Because he knows. And only he knows. And uh, so we need to leave that to God. It's not our job to separate the wheat from the weeds. In fact, most of us are incapable of distinguishing the wheat from the weeds. And then finally, and this is tough, so listen to this. This is from the passage that I read. We will be judged by the same standard that we use to judge other people. Now, that alone should cause us not to be judgmental. But we're not in touch, really, with who we are. We will be judged, Jesus says, by the same standard that we use to judge other people. In other words, if you are a harsh judge of other people, you will be judged harshly. Jesus said it like this, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. The standard you use to judge others will be applied to you. Passing judgment is a very, very serious offense. Playing God, which by the way is what passing judgment is, has always been a very serious offense. It got Adam and Eve into serious trouble in the garden. Because they wanted to what? Become like God. That's what the serpent told them. Eat the apple and you will become like God. Passing judgment will get us into trouble as well. 
It's God's job. It's not ours. God is the only one that knows the motives of the heart. You and I don't know that. There's times, you know, when I, when I have to refrain and I have to remind myself that I am not God. That, that even though I feel like I see the picture, that I understand the situation, that in reality I don't oftentimes. I don't know people's hearts. And I have to hold myself back from pointing the finger and saying, you know, you are really messed up. And you shouldn't have done this. And, and by the way, you know, I, I get really angry when... And it's, you know, no. No, there's a reason why we do what we do and only God knows our hearts. So we need to refrain. We need to refrain. And remember that when we judge others, God will turn the same spotlight on us that we turn on them. So unless you're perfect, don't judge other people. Do not. So instead of judging and condemning, Jesus tells us in a variety of ways, in a variety of places in the Gospels, that we should refrain from condemning others and both forgive them and give to them. Don't condemn, he says, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, Jesus says, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. To the degree that we do so, we will escape condemnation, we will be forgiven, and we will receive more from God than anything that we could ever imagine. So if I understand this correctly, the way that we treat others, for either good or evil, will ultimately come back to us in the end. Hmm. You mean there's consequences for the way we live our lives now? I think that's what he's saying. How we treat people, how we think of people. Ultimately, that will come back to us in the end. There's a direct correlation between how we treat others, how we think of others, and how God will judge us at the end of time. Now, none of us have this right. This is the goal, to become more like Christ. To do things the way that he did. To treat people the way that he did. To love people, to extend grace and mercy to others in the same way that he did. Not just so we'll escape judgment and condemnation, but because that's what we do as followers of Christ. We do what he did. Do you extend mercy and grace to people? I want you to grapple with this question. Are you judgmental? Do you stand back and point your finger at people? Or are you becoming more like Jesus Christ in every area of your life? That's the real question. What are the issues? What are the planks? Do you even know? Is it worth beginning to understand what they are? Have you ever considered the fact that when you point your finger at others that you're really revealing what's going on in your own heart and what you struggle with. What is, it, <laughs> what is it in other people that bothers you the most? Now be careful, because if you just answered that, you need to turn and look in here. Because I would suggest that whatever that is, is probably what's happening inside of you that you struggle with the most as well. And God wants to get inside of you and transform you and change you become more like him we're going to come to the table this morning for communion and uh, what better picture of grace and mercy than the table than communion where we remember what Christ has done for us we remember the mercy and the grace that he's extended to us and we come together right so the implication is that because he's done this for us we do it for one another 
It's what it means to be a community of faith. It's where we encounter God and we learn to become gracious people. We learn to become kind people at the table. And we come not because we're perfect. You know, not because we've got it all figured out. Not because we never judge people or never point the finger at people. We come because we acknowledge that we need Christ to change us and to make us more into the people that he wants us to be. That's why we come. You see, we don't clean ourselves up get our act together and they say, okay, now I'm, now I'm, I'm ready to come here. No, we, we come just as we are. Just as we are. Now, if you're harboring some serious issue with someone or some sin in your life that you just can't resolve, uh, Scripture encourages us not to come to this table. But that's an extreme case. We're invited to come and to participate in the grace and the mercy that's extended to us in Christ. And then to go from this table and extend that mercy and that grace to other people. That's one of the things that happens when we participate in communion. Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, died for you and me so that you and I can become like him and extend that great mercy and that grace and forgiveness to other people. So come this morning with that in mind. Come prayerfully, asking God to make you more like his son, Jesus. Someone who extends mercy and grace rather than judgment. Amen.